You need to know that your animals are just as conscious and aware as you are, if not more so. So when you are in the vets, for example, and your animals sick and you're talking about them with the vets as if they don't understand every word you say, they do. So you could be talking about very sensitive things around animals and they're listening, but they can also read your mind as well. So they understand fundamentally what's going on within any dynamic, within any person. And they're not to be dumbed down as society would as a whole consider them to be. I actually think they're more evolved than we are and that they actually sacrifice a lot of their own comforts and happiness and well-being by being domesticated or becoming semi-wild in their attempts to heal us. Because if we heal, we wouldn't treat animals the way we do. We wouldn't treat the earth the way we do. We wouldn't have all these problems the way we do if we were as evolved as they were. They're not the problem. They're the solution. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our god, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses. Things like synchronicities and coincidences are just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're here today. I am talking with another animal healer and communicator today, and also someone that has had a full, robust spiritual journey of her own. And so as a professional animal healer from Ireland, Lisa Tully has an international practice working with dogs, cats, and a multi-layered holistic approach. She gets to the root cause of their emotional or physical problems to bring lasting healing using natural botanicals so they can live longer and stronger by your side. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you and to talk. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, so I have a lot of questions, and we were chatting before, and I have even more questions. But let's just start with what brought you to working with cats and dogs? And would you say it's like a lifelong thing that you've been able to connect with them? Or is that a experience that you had to work on and develop? Oh, since a very young girl, I've had a deep connection and an affinity for animals. And I would always kind of sometimes I go into people's houses and their cats that never let anyone pick them up. Of course, I didn't know that. And I go, oh, there's the cat. And I pick the cat up and the cat would be cuddling. The family are like, why are they the cat doing that with you? And the cat never, <laughs> never does it with us. So I had these kind of experiences and I would find loads of sick animals and nurse them back together. Um, so it was just a real lifelong journey that just kind of got stronger. You know yourself as you get older, you get more focused. So when I was about 16 to age 18, I worked in a veterinary practice as a, you know, a veterinary assistant nurse. And that really gave me an insight into that way of working with animals. 
and I I got accepted into vet school and then the fees were so high I just couldn't afford it and so I ended up doing a science degree but I eventually found my way back so it's always been in me you know but nothing happens by accident no it doesn't that's really interesting that you started out knowing you wanted to work with animals what kind of science degree what were you doing in the meantime until you found yourself back yeah I am I went the polar opposite so <laughs> So I did a degree in chemistry and biology, which really helps now as well with the animals. And I then, because I kind of fell into that world, I ended up in pharmaceuticals, believe it or not. No, I I believe it. Yeah, it gave me a real insight into that world as well. And I was working in London, in the major London hospitals, selling a drug in there into the professors and consultants. So I really got a chance to lose all fear of the white coats. And then, you know, I eventually got tired of that and I meditated myself out of it. But it stands to me today because now I'm more than happy to chat to vets and, you know, doesn't bother right. me. Well, you yeah. know what? My background is pharmacy too. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I started as a pharmacy tech when I was like 18 years old. So long history in the pharmacy world, mostly in hospitals though. So anyways, okay, so then you came back. And how do you like to work with animals? And do you address specific issues with them? And and I'll stop right there before I ask another question. So I use a multi-layered approach. I started off with animal communication. That's when it, where I really went very, very deep with that. I did a professional training and that. And then as I got the messages from the animals and could really understand on a more profound level, what the dynamic was and what influences their people were having as well. I realized I needed to train further. So I started to train up on how to use flower essences. And that really got amazing results. And then as the eternal student, I then brought in more skills where I studied five elements Chinese medicine for animals. So I'm able to really analyze what the patterns are in terms of pathology, because I had pretty much nailed healing them emotionally with the essences and the communication. But then I was referring a lot of my cases then with physical stuff to my holistic vet friends who are amazing. But I just kind of thought, well, is there a way that I can bolster that as well? And the five elements seriously did that. Okay, so I can really understand food therapy as well with those principles. And also then I integrate something called zoopharmacognosy which was another skill I learned where that basically means if you have a dog and you put out, say, a bowl of spirulina or you might put out then a bowl of marshmallow root, you know, these beautiful herbs or milk thistle and add a bit of water and the dog will instinctively start to lick whichever herb it is that they need. Wow. Yeah. So all animals do it. They all do. All the beautiful animals you see in the wild you know, that the scientists are really uncovering this now and really observing how monkeys with particular parasites will eat a certain leaf that has little hooks on it that'll pull the parasites out as it goes through their system. So this is a phenomenon why what you'll see in your house is where your dog will drink rainwater instead of tap water, where your cat eats grass when they have a sick tummy because they're self-medicating. So I bring all of this fusion now our skills together. So whatever case comes my way, I can usually give it a good go. <laughs> ah. Well, 
And what's so interesting is really that's where pharmacy started, right? Was the roots and the leaves and the different things that our ancestors were already using in the wild. And then they wanted to start creating them in labs and stuff. At least a lot of medications started that way. So kind of circling back. And I find it interesting. So you're in this intuitive, you know, realm of work. But it's also so scientific, isn't it? I mean, I think people think maybe we're just off, you know, completely illogical and non-scientific, but really it's all very scientific, isn't it? Oh my God, I love that question. It's like woo-woo versus the science, right? Yeah. And you can you can get dismissed. Okay, because yeah. people think you're 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 woo-woo. And it's it's been kind of trained into the psychology of humanity, really. It's been orchestrated, I believe, over the millennia. But when you think back to the 1800s when, you know, medical degrees included homeopathy, okay, included herbs. And then when the pharmas started to support the colleges, they started to dictate what the students were taught and they quietly got rid of every single homeopathic hospital. They were all over the United States. Yeah. So it, this stuff really worked. Like, and even Dr. Edward Bach, who created the flower essences, he informed so much around the time of the wars and so many of the soldiers had all these pandemics going on, all these diseases. And he was able to use homeopathy to counteract that and treat them. And then also use the flower essences to deal with the shell shock. So much so that he informed the practice of medical doctors all around the United Kingdom. So to say it's woo-woo is just really a misbelief that has been entrained within us by the powers that generate a lot of the income from it. Yeah. It's just not true. Like Right, right. No, I know. We have to help keep getting that word out that it's just not true. And you work remotely with animals all over the world, right? They don't come to Dublin. Yeah. So I, I work through photographs. So this would be the intuitive side. Okay. Because when we communicate with animals, we do it from a, a heart to heart connection. And that is not limited by space, distance or time. So just by looking at their photograph, you can start to really feel what's going on for them. You can connect, you communicate. So they can tell me where their imbalances are. When, you know, coming back to the science, I would bring in that ain't one of the oldest sciences in the world, which is Chinese medicine. And the animals are able to show me where the energy flow is blocked in their body through the meridians. Okay. And then they can actually show me then what botanicals they need in order to heal. So this work is is really unlimited. And where I really see it come to its fore is, you know, sometimes my clients end up in hospital. Okay. And, you know, earlier on in my days, your clients would be in the hospital and you'd be like, oh, can I get in? Can I go and see them? Give them a hands-on healing. Yeah. Whereas now, because I could work remotely to their photo, I can transmit the healing botanicals to them energetically and start to support them in combination with obviously the emergency care that they need. Right. And, you know, and sometimes you, you get results. The vets are like, I don't know how this dog is going home right now because I had written that dog off 12 hours ago. And you mm. kind of go, mm, well, <laughs> I've been working in the background, you know. Yeah. And do you feel like you're limited in what you can work with? So, you know, like anxiety or aggression and then physical conditions. Do you think that there's a way to work with everything across the board? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the way I join the dots is I believe that every emotional imbalance, if it's left unchecked and becomes more entrenched, it fundamentally leads to a physical condition. 
Okay, so if you have a dog that's constantly anxious or a cat or a horse and there are, you know, phobias and they're, they're, they're literally leaving their body with trauma and fright on a regular basis, that's obviously going to hammer the kidneys and the adrenals. So that animal is lining up for kidney issues because the kidneys are the organs of fear and the adrenals sit right on top of them. Okay, so by you healing the emotional side of it before it gets to that more entrenched place, you can start to do preventative work. But then if we have animals that are actually already in, you know, kidney failure or they've got issues going on, then it's about, you know, supporting using the Chinese medicine to support the root cause. Like what's going on with the kidneys? Is it a yin deficiency? Is it a yang deficiency? Is it a jing deficiency? You know, and by identifying that, then you can start to use food therapy and the herbs and the oils to start to work that. And but also you have to focus on the reason they had the kidney issues in the first place, which is the fear and the emotions. So the beauty of the botanicals is they're unlimited. They work on everything. You, you know, they're just it, that's what holistic is. You know, holism, the whole. You mentioned Bach earlier. Do you work specifically with the Bach essences or a different kind or does it matter? I think it doesn't matter, you know, I think whatever essences people are affiliated with, because there's so many different ranges out there. It just so happens that the ones that I, you know, first worked with and became more intimate with, so I knew which to reach for, which situation was the Bach and the Australian bushflower. And then there's a few other ranges that I use here in Ireland that are made, they're homegrown ones, by my witchy friends. <laughs> yeah. So I'll use a medley. I'll use a medley. And, and I've even gone so far as I've made essences with animals. So we made essences from a healing herd in Portugal. You put bowls of water out and they're a free roaming herd and the energy goes into the bowl. I asked the horses, you know, put whatever energy you want into that. And then you, we tested it out and we offered it to horses around the world and they responded in incredible, incredible ways. So I really mix and match. Yeah, I mix and match what I do. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. And what a great thing that people are creating these things. Just curious, do you find you have to work with the person as much as the animal or is it primarily animal that you're working with? I think the most important being to work with is the person. Yeah, You know, you probably find that as well, Karen, because, you know, here we bring in the phenomenon of human to animal mirroring, where the animals absorb our stuff like sponges. Uh, yeah. And with the earth angels that they are, as they, they absorb it, they then reflect it back to us. So if you've got an, an anxiousness within yourself that you're not facing, chances are you'll welcome in an anxious animal into your life or they will become anxious after spending six months with you because they're mirroring back your stuff. So you got to heal both of them. All right. I just had a big wake up moment. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. We know that. I know that kind of stuff. But sometimes until someone else says it to us, we forget. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you talk about, I know you have the six month transformational program for dogs. Hey, what kind of animals do you have first? Do you have animals right now? Yeah, um, at the moment, I don't. I have animals by proxy. Where we are, we've got we've got seven horses and two dogs. Okay. Yeah, so my little cat, Georgie, passed away in January. Aww. So I haven't, you know, you're just in that kind of limbo mode. Yep. Yeah, so I want to, I'm, I'm planning to buy some land and just fill it. I know, wouldn't that be fun? 
My daughter just told me the other day, too. She said, I'm going to buy a big piece of property and take all the animals out of the shelters. Like, well, uh, that's what I thought I was going to do, too. But, you know, as far as we can, as we'll do everything we can. Anyway, so why don't you tell us about your six-month transformational program that you've created? Yeah, I love this. So what I was doing over the years was I was working with people for one-off sessions, you know, and some people would continue and then human nature, some people drop off and that's okay. But what I discovered was the people and the animals that got the best results were my clients who committed to at least six months of working with me. Because holistic work, when you're working on stuff from the root cause within the person and the animal, it takes time. Okay. And it takes commitment. And also what I found was that there's this gap where veterinary care ends and then people are in this limbo. The animals are not sick enough to be in the vets, thank goodness, but they're not well either. Right. Okay. So it's kind of like, do you wait till the animal gets sick enough to go back to the vets or do you actually take action? Yeah. Okay. So this is where Happy Dog, Happy You comes in. And I've just this week launched Happy Cat, Happy You as well. And the idea behind it is that we work together over a six-month period where I fill that gap. I catch you. I teach you how to become a holistically-minded animal parent, as well as healing the animal and healing you along the way and looking at diet, botanicals. So there's a whole educational side to it, as well as a healing side to it as well. And what I actually found, which was not a surprise, but I wasn't, I didn't anticipate it happening, Karen, is that when somebody commits to a program like that, it's almost like the universe responds yeah. in kind and you get major results very early on because they have committed to that. Whereas if people are, I like to say the, the saying, a bit wishy-washy, okay, because the, the intention to heal the animal comes through the person. And if the person is wishy-washy about working with me in the first place or wishy-washy about holistic stuff or whatever, or just wishy-washy in general, they get wishy-washy results. That is so true. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, and Right. Yeah, whereas the animal guardians that are just on point, well, bow, do they pop the results. So that's where the real magic is unfolding with this program. So I'm very excited about it. That's fantastic. So is it like a one-on-one -on -one program or is it a group program? So it's one-on-one. -on -one where I would work with people. I do readings for their animals each month over the six-month period. And we have video calls to back it up with their person. And it includes the botanicals that I send out as well. And then gradually over time, so I don't overwhelm people, we start to really look at the diet as well through TCM principles, because that takes time as well. If we've got a sick animal, we need to feed them well. And we need to get them to a place where the food therapy has gotten to them to stability. And then we put in a future plan, a future well-being plan for the animal with their diet and what type of healing boost they're going to need over time. Because obviously you get a, a myriad of different cases come in. You get senior animals or you get young animals that already have imbalances, maybe some pedigree animals. They tend to carry a lot of stuff. But on the backside of that, then there is a group element where once a month we have monthly live webinars where I teach and I have members of this program from all over the world and we do a meditation together at the end of it. So we start to heal everybody and heal the animals. So they get free membership to that for the six months. And we've got our chat room as well. So it becomes this kind of like support mechanism. So is that 
animal porns, they don't feel alone anymore. They don't feel like they're in that gap between veterinary care and worrying at home on their own. Right. Yeah, that's a good point because it's so isolating to be at home with your sick animal and to have no idea what to do. I can remember when one of my dogs was dying. I mean, it was a week-long process, but, you know, it's like the vet hasn't been able to help. They haven't found anything or they can't cure him. And, you know, you don't know what to do. Anytime there's any kind of an illness with an animal, it's it's isolating and scary and people don't know what to do. So that's great. I think that's fantastic that you're doing that program. Hello, adventurers and nature lovers. It's Karen here. I have an invitation to a journey unlike any other. Have you ever dreamed of going on a safari or a wildlife trip that's not just a sightseeing tour, but a profound life-changing experience? Imagine connecting with wildlife in a way that's meaningful and respectful, understanding the delicate balance of our world and feeling the pulse of the earth beneath your feet. It's not about just observing, it's about connecting. I've put together an exclusive guide for those who want a deeper connection on their wildlife adventures. And this guide is your key to transforming a simple trip into a journey of discovery and spiritual fulfillment. In this guide, you're going to find insights on how to mindfully engage with the environment, how to appreciate the beauty and significance of each creature, and how to carry the spirit of oneness throughout your journey. So if your heart yearns for more than just a vacation, if you're seeking for an experience that nourishes your soul, Visit RevKarenPodcast, R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N podcast.com and look for the five ways to make your wildlife trip more meaningful guide. It's completely free and it's your first step towards a truly transformative adventure. Now let's head back to the podcast for more insights and inspiration. Do you have ideas for if a person, maybe they don't have the time you know, to make an appointment or the money or something? Is there anything they can start doing at home with their animal just to either help check in with how they're doing, or maybe they do suspect there's a problem? Again, they might not have resources to go to a vet or something. Any ideas on where they can start just on their own? Yeah, I think herbal teas. If you buy a range of herbal teas like peppermint tea, ginger tea, yarrow tea, all these gorgeous herbs that are out there, and you make up a cup of tea of each, and then add, say, another cup full of plain water to each one and put out, say, three bowls. Okay, so you basically got three bowls of diluted down herbal teas and watch, offer that to your cat or your dog or your horse and see which one they drink. It's very, very affordable. Okay, and this can be a way for them to start to self-medicate and self-regulate. I like, for example, a lot of animals have kidney stuff. Well, yarrow and ginger work on the yin and the yang in the kidneys. And they're widely available teas. So you're already supporting them. A lot of animals have digestive issues. So you've got peppermint and ginger and chamomile. Okay. And they're going to be able to soothe and self-soothe. And the good thing about it is it's so much fun to watch. You know, you're just like, oh my God, they're going for chamomile today. It must be their tummy. (laughs) So you can refresh them, refresh them every day. And that's a very affordable, always use organic though. And even rose tea and like, cause rose is so nurturing for the emotions, nurturing for the heart, as is yarrow and chamomile. So these teas also hit on the emotional imbalances as well. And what you're doing then is you're empowering the animal to show them what they need. Interesting. Yeah. I never would have thought of that or thought they would actually drink tea. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can sit and, sit and have a cup of tea with our animals. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you've acquired all this knowledge over the years and you're applying it to the animals. I'm just curious. I know you have to work with the animals people too, but have you ever considered working with directly with people or are you strictly animals? Well, from Ireland, we have a belief here that when you're born with a healing gift, whether it's humans or animals, you don't jump species because you can lose your gift. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because a lot of the cure is passed down from generation to generation here. So we, you know, if you're if you're an animal person, you got to stick with your animals. But having said that, like when I work with people, I do it through the animal. So the way the animals self-select their own healing botanicals, I've taken it up a notch where they'll actually select an essence mix for their person. Okay. And when I share what that mix contains, the healing story that it offers, they always just go, that's so where I'm at right now, you know, and they get amazing results. So I, I do it that way. Interesting. That's fascinating. That's ultimately where healing all of us, healing a person is healing an animal and vice versa. So that's great. Yeah. So we had talked a little bit before the show about your time doing travels in India and other places. I'm just curious, did you have experiences with animals during those travels or was that all more of a personal journey? Yeah. So I lived in Bolivia for a year in the rainforests in South America and I worked at a wildlife sanctuary there. And the animal that I worked with for the year was an ocelot called Millie. And Millie was uh, semi-wild. She wasn't, they didn't have the amazing rehabilitation facilities that they actually do now in South America. But back then they didn't. So once the animals kind of caught in limbo because she was hand reared because her mom was shot for her fur, sadly enough, you know. So she had this knowledge of humans, but at the same time, she still lived up in the jungle um, in a cage and we, I would take her out all day and walk with her through the jungles all day long to give her that stimulation and that enrichment. So Millie was the first animal that I ever really had a clear communication with that I recognized as a young adult. This is a thing. Okay. Yeah, we, we had a, an event, an event one day on one of our walks where a troop of monkeys kind of came across the canopy and started coming down closer to us. Now, these monkeys are not wild. Um, They also have a lot of trauma and they can have issues with people. And if you remind them of someone that hurt them in the past, they can really become a problem. So I was always afraid of the monkeys for that reason. So I was sitting there with her going, oh my God, we're nowhere near where we need to be. We're in the middle of the jungle and this troop of monkeys is getting closer and closer. Now, Millie, I would always let go of her lead and she would just go wherever she wanted to. But she was sitting beside me free and the monkeys were getting closer and closer and they were in between us and where we needed to go. So eventually I realized these monkeys are actually getting closer and closer and this is scary. So I just looked at Millie and I just thought, run. And in that instant, the two of us just turned and ran the opposite direction. And she was a lot quicker than me. So I eventually caught up with her. But that moment, I realized that that was telepathy. You know, like it's literally the animal nation, the monkeys and her included, squeezed it out of me. Yeah. They popped it. And I just thought, oh, my God. So that, as they say, is, is where it all began. 
So yeah, they're like that that was a transformative time for me living in the jungle like that. It was for a year. It was a huge spiritual awakening. Oh yeah. I can't imagine. I've wondered about animals like Millie that are caught in the middle of being wild and being, you know, domesticated, being used to humans that are ultimately dangerous to them, you know, usually like her mother. But wow. Yeah. So that was your first telepathic experience or that you know of anyway, that you identified. Exactly. That I identified. I think I was always a bit of a a unique child, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, you're healing the world. So that's using it all for good. That's fantastic. So what is something you wish everyone knew about their animals, you know, or what they could do? If you could just tell everyone in the world right now, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. You need to know that your animals are just as conscious and aware as you are, if not more so. So when you are in the vets, for example, and your animals sick and you're talking about them with the vets as if they don't understand every word you say, they do. So you could be talking about very sensitive things around animals and they're listening, but they can also read your mind as well. So they understand fundamentally what's going on within any dynamic, within any person. And they're not to be dumbed down as society would as a whole consider them to be. I actually think they're more evolved than we are and that they actually sacrifice a lot of their own comforts and happiness and well-being by being domesticated or becoming semi-wild in their attempts to heal us. Because if we heal, we wouldn't treat animals the way we do. We wouldn't treat the earth the way we do. We wouldn't have all these problems the way we do if we were as evolved as they were. They're not the problem. They're the solution. Okay, so if you can start to see them as that and as these conscious beings with so much wisdom to impart upon you, if you dare to ask them, we have amazing resources and solutions that are purring away on our lap or cuddled up at our feet or underneath us as we ride along. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. You mentioned them being dumbed down. But I think, you know, society has told us that they have nothing. And so when we think that they are smart or when we think we're interpreting something, we think something's wrong with us. And, you know, it's not. It's just the opposite, isn't it? Oh, I love that. It's so true. Don't doubt yourself anymore. Yeah, exactly. Don't doubt yourself. Sometimes I say the only difference between us, it's a communication problem. It's a language barrier. You know, if you could actually talk to them like, and you can, of course, but If you knew what they were thinking, if you could actually understand, you'd know that they are so wise. They have so much information and they know so much. They do. They absolutely hear everything. I totally agree with you. So thank you for that. That's great. And then is there anything you wish people would stop doing, you know, like maybe in the care of their animals or themselves, the world? I wish people would stop living their fears to their animals. So for me, it's like there's a lot of animals out there that are living in very restricted ways, whether it's the horse that's always on their own in an electric fence and they're not allowed ever touch or nuzzle another horse for fear that they might get kicked. And it's the cats that are forever locked inside, you know, they're on permanent lockdown in a cement block or it's a dog that's just stuck in the garden. And even when they're on a walk, you, you won't let them go near any other dogs because this is our human neurosis coming down the reins, coming down the lead. And it's really, 
it's a thing that I wish people could move past because I've seen it when people move past this and I've coached people on it and helped them become courageous in their heart and mind and, you know, realize that like if your animal could live two years with complete liberty or 20 years in this contained way, which do you think they would prefer or what would you prefer, you know? What would you, would you prefer to be in lockdown for 20 years or have two years just running amok? <laughs> You'd go for running amok, wouldn't you? And you would live, like you would so live. Yeah. So for me, I just wish people would move past their own fears and traumas enough to not make their animals have to live them as well. Yeah, I love that. And isn't that true? I've always thought it's the weirdest thing that we take these animals and we put them in our house and then we go to work all day. And they're just sitting in our house, you know, doing whatever they do. But I mean, that's not how they would live out in the wild. You know, they wouldn't be sitting on your couch, you know, watching TV while you're gone. So it's kind of a strange thing that we do. Yeah. I just choose the right animal. You know, if you're going to have to do that, like wait till you move somewhere more appropriate, you know, yeah, (laughs) get a calf flap. Like (laughs) (laughs) it'll be on my grave. Get a calf flap. Right. I do think it's about choosing the right animal or allowing the animal. So I also work with animal archetypes. And when you have a true rebel or wanderer or explorer and they're locked in a house, Mm -hmm. I mean, you really have to keep them busy to keep them sane and out of trouble. So yeah. And healthy. That's the thing, you know, because you think you're keeping them safe by keeping them inside. But it builds like, you know, they get kidney stones, they get bladder stones, they get blocked urethras, they get cancers like you can do harm in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this could be a much longer conversation, I'm sure. But we are about out of time. So why don't you, for those that are listening to us right now, where can people find you on the Internet? Sure. My website is animalhealing.ie. So people are welcome to come on there. You can join my membership program. Or I've got yeah, on-demand courses as well, all the way up to my six-month program. So I can meet people at any stage if they want to work with me, engage with me and learn from me. I would love to hear from them. And of course, I'm also on the, the socials. My handle is Animal Healing Lisa Tully for Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. So you can come follow me there as well. <laughs> Fantastic. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. And Would you be willing to come back someday and we could explore some of these ideas further? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely, Karen. Thank you for having me. It'd be a pleasure to return. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, I want to say goodbye to my listeners. Thank you for joining today. And I look forward to connecting later. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.